dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? I wish folks could hear some of the uh, hot no, mic comments. No, we don't. But not this time. Not this time. No, but we, we had a good laugh. We had a very good laugh yeah. beforehand. <laughs> well, you know, one of the questions I always get in our work is, what does it mean? And I know this sounds wild. Okay. Because we've been here for so long, talking about this for so long. But I think sometimes the things that are implied need to be explicit. How and hard is it to be this handsome? Uh, that is not it at that, all. Really, I but, get that all the time. But anyway, well, go ahead. That is go what. But, uh, anyway, what what I will say is the question that people do ask is, am I a Christian first or am I black first? Am I a black Christian or am I a Christian who's black? Sort of. Sort of. Have you received that question? Is that something you t- you've you've heard people ask you? Roundabout ways. It's 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 the question of how do I hold both of these identities? And there's different ways, there's different answers people have given to that. And and I think wh- where it comes from is especially when you are black in predominantly white Christian spaces, although not always. All it, it has to do with how do you deal with the racial realities of being black in light of your faith as well as a Christian. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you think that question, you touched on it, where do you think that question comes from? You've done a lot of identity work. So if someone is wrestling with that question, where does that typically come from in your experience? Oh, man, there's so many levels to this, right? Um, It reminds me of Du Bois's quote, one is ever reminded of his two-ness, right? That, That as a person racialized as black, we're constantly aware we have these two viewpoints. One is our subjective viewpoint of ourselves. We know who we are. We're trying to figure it out. But we also have to constantly pay attention to how others perceive our racialized identity, mm. how, namely how white people do. Because if we're not cognizant of that, it could be deadly, at the mm. least dangerous, right? And so we're constantly navigating our identity from two perspectives of our own self as well as others who other eyes us. But now we add another dimension. Our faith. Our faith. Who are we? How, 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 how does being a follower of Jesus inform that Tunis perspective is, is one of the ways that I think about like it. How a do you, double, I know what they say, like sometimes double consciousness. The double consciousness, right? right yeah. As we, as we process it, I've heard a lot of people say this because they fear that they are making concerns specifically about social justice or they fear that they're making concerns about their own pursuit of their history and origin. They fear that they're making their own emphasis on blackness and black centeredness, that they're making it almost into a religion. So some people think, oh, we're making this, we're going too far in this. We're, we're leaning the, we're swinging the pendulum too far over from, you know, white supremacy or white centeredness 
and we're swinging it now to black centeredness. Equal but opposite error. Yeah. And I think there's like this level of there's there's this level of assumption as well with all of this that you these are these are basically two sides of the same coin, yep, right? Yep, yep. If you're you can be a white supremacist or you can be a black supremacist, yep. right? There's just white two power, sides of black this. power. Yeah, these yeah. are two sides of the same coin. So I think that's what I've typically experienced as a pastor when people are asked that. They'll ask uh, that from that perspective. Are we becoming so so you, what you bring up is an is a is a really important point. It's fairly obvious how white people would say, well, you're just doing, you're being reverse racist kind of a thing, even if you're just in your faith trying to be cognizant of, of your blackness, right? But it's, it's less obvious to some how this question arises from other black people as mm-hmm. well. Do you think this is a good question? I know people say all the time, like, there's no, people always say there's no dumb questions, right? <laughs> And I, I get it. I'm not saying the question is is a foolish question. I'm not you know, right, saying no, if you right. ask this question, there's something wrong with you. I'm just saying, do you think this is the, the right question? Because what I find is people ask questions, but they don't ask the question behind the question. What is the question behind the question? I think it could be a number of different things. Okay. But first, I want you to answer, do you think this is a good question? I think, I think first of all, it depends what you mean by good, sure. But I think also the function of racism is distraction. Mm-hmm. So it's a distracting question. Nevertheless, it's a good question because it's one that as a Christian who is black or a black Christian, we all have to wrestle through. Um, and maybe there's not even a one-time, one-and-done. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a constant or a seasonal wrestling through that question. So in that sense, it's good because it's relevant. Mm-hmm. It's bad because it's a distraction. So this is this is part of what I'm getting at. Part of what I'm getting at is this idea that so often as black Christians, we are asked to justify our existence within spaces that should embrace us fully. Hmm. And we are taught to question ourselves based upon our unique experience. And so it's this duality that sometimes I feel, especially for Gen Z Christians Mm. and college students, I feel acutely for them because oftentimes they they go into spaces that will put them under siege because they are different in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether it's the way in which they express themselves, their look, their faith background. But then at the same time, as they process these questions and considerations, they treat them differently, but then don't acknowledge their difference. So it's like they treat you differently, but then don't acknowledge that they're treating you differently. So you, you have see to what I'm saying? Put the- so you have to literally float in and and figure out how you navigate around someone treating you differently, and then you have to navigate trying to figure out what's my identity, because people are not telling me about the Black Christian tradition. And black Christian experience, they're not telling me about all of this. So it's like you literally are swimming almost against yourself sometimes because you're having to justify, hey, there's differences. There's there's a different way in which I do things. And people are saying, We're all one in Christ. So it's like, yeah, but we're 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 different. Just our our unity isn't uniformity, right? Right, right, right. Like just because we're united doesn't mean we're all one in the way we express. Right. So it's just I feel that, especially for college students and 
those who are younger Christians, younger black Christians, that this is really something that grips them. So here's here's the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about this black and Christian thing for me. It's it's something that we've worked through on the mic and off the mic at various points in the past decade or so. The way I've come to think about identity is not in terms of hierarchy, but in holistic terms. So a lot of times when we talk about this black Christian dynamic, people want to create a hierarchy. I'm Christian first, then black, then whatever, right? Or I'm black first and then Christian and then whatever. I don't think that's the right way to think about it. I think the right way to think about it is pulling together all the parts of your identity into a holistic, cohesive whole. We've talked before about uh, the root word of integrity being integer, which means one. Yeah, yeah. So I think the constant pursuit of a mature, wise perspective on self or identity is the pursuit of integration. Mm-hmm of bringing these disparate parts, seemingly disparate parts of our identities. And I would argue that the world would try to pull those parts out, separate them, isolate them. And our journey and our pursuit as people following Jesus is to integrate all parts of ourselves into one whole. That's so good. That's so helpful. When you talk about this integration and these disparate parts, I think about the fact that everybody has this unique experience and that so often I think we track our unique experience and especially in the church solely through our morality or lack thereof. Right. So we tell our experience when someone says, you know, when you come into church and someone says, Hey, like, tell me about yourself. You typically tell people about things that relate to your spiritual background. Hmm. But you don't typically tell them stuff that relates to all of you, your likes, your dislikes, your dreams, your hopes, your culture, your you may tell them where you come from, but not how that shaped you. And so it's very interesting because I feel like sometimes the church makes us feel like certain parts of our stories don't matter. Mm. The church makes us feel sometimes like we don't have a diverse story outside of what Jesus has saved us from. But not outside of what we desire, what we hope, what we're gifted in, what we're talented in. So I think sometimes this question is a function of the church making us uh, almost disembodied people. Right, right, right. People who don't have an experience in our own skin, in our own bodies, with our own situations. And the church just kind of makes us, whatever is utility for the church, the church kind of emphasizes. Whatever is not utility for the church, the church doesn't focus mm. on. mm so I think sometimes people come in, they come into church and they're like, wait a second. So, okay, I guess this utility. So you come in and you have to adopt an entirely different worship style. Mm. Because culturally, like, oh, let me separate how I naturally would worship culturally from what this space will allow. So let me just put that off mm-hmm. to the side. And I'll say, oh, I'll learn. And because we're great learners, we learn but we're not incorporating the other parts of our right. story. And so it's really helpful to think about the oneness that should be in our identities because it maybe will help us think through how 
we can actually be healthy, whole yeah. black Christians. Because I'm thinking about on a practical level, like if if we're talking about this relationship or the dynamic between being both black and Christian, how does that work itself out on a ground level, day-to-day basis? Well, one of the ways is I cannot separate the fact that I'm black from my faith and from my understanding of faith. For instance, the way I read the book of Exodus as a person of African descent in right. the United States, <laughs> right. right? Like there's no way I can read about the Hebrew slaves being liberated from the Egyptians without thinking about race-based child slavery in the United States and the fact that my ancestors were enslaved. Absolutely. Like, like on a very practical, but, but what you're saying, you know, in a lot of church spaces, they don't want you to really highlight that, you know, they may not squash it and say, don't ever think about being a, having been a slave or whatever, but it's not emphasized. And, and the implicit message there is that it's not important. And this is one of the things that I've, in the past year or so, come to a realization because a lot of folks, particularly in like 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 predominantly white church, it's not that they're calling us the N word per se, right? Right. It's that there are parts of our identity that are invisible to them and therefore unimportant. So that was my experience in my high school youth group. Oh, I'm still friends with a lot of the folks, including the youth pastor of that group, right? They never said a negative thing about me being black. They just never brought it up, which made me think this is not integral to my faith. Apparently, if everybody around me is not talking about it, if the stuff that affects me and my family and my community is not on the radar here, well, then maybe it's not that important. Now, that's my very young Christian understanding of it. Now I understand sociologically, historically, theologically, they weren't there, right? right? But it wasn't unimportant. But when we ask that question about being black and Christian, I think part of the question behind the question is, does God care about my blackness? Let's take a break and we'll come back and handle that question. We'll be right back here on Passing Mike. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, you can go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. Hey, folks, Dr. Jamar Tisby here, and I want to make sure that you know about the Justice Takes Sides brand. This is merchandise. This is apparel to help you represent your values. This is about getting people off the sidelines and into the struggle for justice that's ongoing today. Go visit justicetakesides.com, get your merchandise and apparel there, and follow us on Instagram at Justice Takes Sides. So the question that you asked before the break, I think, is a question that all of us should ask. So I think maybe the better way of asking what I said earlier was, is this a good question? Is actually, what are the questions we should be asking about Mm -hmm. ourselves? Mm -hmm. 
And I personally think that every black Christian should ask themselves, does God care about my blackness? I think that as a pastor, I would encourage my congregants and have encouraged them to ask that question, to dive into the scriptures Mm. and to see if God cares about even the things that. that people assume he doesn't care about. Or as I've often heard it, people often say, well, your creation is intentional. Your ethnicity is incidental. Ooh, they say that. So they say, "Wow, the way in which the, your your wow. your creation, or they they would say like this: your creation is intentional, your color is incidental." Wow, like that's just like, oh, it's just something God just. Oh, sometimes He paints differently. Sometimes <laughs> He lets random, you, you know. You yeah, know. it's just kind of random. Like I've heard, I've had people directly tell me. Here's that. the wild thing, though: I can I can remember a time when that wouldn't have shocked me. I mean, when I wouldn't have necessarily disagreed. Something would have been off, but I wouldn't have known how to name it. So I'm like, I'm not like, I don't want to, I don't want to come down like, you idiot. Why would you ever think that? Right. No, definitely but, not. Because there was certainly a time when that would have in some way, shape or form resonated with me. But now, wow. Because what we, we, we know what that implies. Exactly. So it, unpack that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think number one, whenever people think that the way in which you look, your exterior, uh, specifically your ethnicity, and the way in which you show up in the world is incidental. I think there's it's always extremely dangerous because it communicates number one that certain people have been given certain access. And that God doesn't see the ways in which access and justice and equity has been given to different people in greater measure and to other people in lesser measure. So it implies that God in some way, shape or form is disengaged from the world. Like, does God see the disparate levels of healthcare and economics and, you know, um, church leadership and resource and justice and incarceration and maternal health, does God see that? Does God care? But then also, I think it also communicates to us a God who desires, who really, truly, who would be contradictory. Hmm. Because if God is intending to redeem people from every nation and tribe and tongue, then he's that's got to be. Then gotta, there has to be an intentionality intention, yes. for him to create people who represent and who will then be redeemed into the kingdom that is as diverse as he is. Well, that's Acts 17, right? He's determined specific times and places and the boundaries of their habitation. Like, that's not incidental. <laughs> so this is very important, right? So I think this is important because the scriptures tell us in, in Acts 17 is one of my favorite places where Paul makes this argument to a diverse audience. To not just a diverse audience in terms of ethnicity and background, but a diverse audience in terms of intellectual thought and philosophy. Sure. Right. Yeah. So when he's speaking at Areopagus, Mars Hill, what is he saying? He says, we are his offspring. It's one of your your own poets say this, right? Like we are his offspring. He's like, listen, he's determined these things so that people would seek him and find find him because he's not far from any of us. You know, what's wild. That very verse, Acts 17, 26 which we're unpacking as a God's intentionality around ethnicity, culture, race experience. 
Um, and B, we're unpacking as a, a reason for unity with diversity, right? Segregationists use that very same passage to argue for segregation because they were saying, well, if God set particular times and places for different people, then we are not going to upset God's plan. God himself, and this is, I'm quoting some of them, God himself is the original segregationist, which is like, I want to vomit just saying those words, but that's how they twisted it and used it specifically in an anti-black context, which again, wow, comes back to this question, does God care about my blackness? Yes. So, so here's, here's, this is a perfect example. When people ask, am I black first or am I Christian first? Can I give you some of our philosophy of how we navigate this? So number one, I always tell people, I do not accept the premise of that question because God does not intend for us to live disembodied lives. Mm -hmm. God does not intend for us to live in our spirits alone, but disregarding our bodies. God intends for us not just to be redeemed in our souls and to have our spirits purified, but also to have our bodies as well uh, be representations of his goodness in the earth. So that's number one, right? So we don't accept the premise of that question. And here's the thing I think is very important for black Christians to understand. You don't have to accept the premise of these questions. That's huge. That's it. Like yes. these questions, if you are asking them, oftentimes reveal something within you that you have to navigate and figure out. But if people are saying, oh, you're being too black, you know, you're, you're too black and you should be Christian first. I don't have to accept the premise of that statement. Because what that assumes is, is the way that I show up and the way in which God has given me certain things that I care about and certain ways in which I express has now become something that is at odds with his redemptive plan. Mm. And so now you have to prove that biblically and you can't, right? You have to prove that biblically. So, so number one, we, we don't accept the premise of that question. Number two, we put it back on it. What does that look like to you? <laughs> okay. So, so tell me like when you say too black or you say, what would, what would a black person who's Christian first look like? Mm. What does that look like? And, and so this is always my issue where people are like, oh, well, you know what? I'm Christian first. I'm not black. So what do those things look like in, because what you're, what you're saying here is you're, you're saying I can see the difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're literally being taught to look at external things because I can see your heart. I can see your mind. I can see what you're processing. I don't even see what you believe. But so now you're telling me I can judge externally what you're looking like. I can judge externally what, what happens here. And that sounds a little problematic. Well, because here's where we get to the crux of it. What's, what's we're talking about the question behind the question. So look at the assumption behind the statement is that for some people, for way too many people in practical terms, redemption doesn't mean becoming more like Jesus. Redemption means becoming more white. That's, that's what people are really getting it. So if you ask them, what's the difference between a two black Christian and a Christian who's the right amount of black? It's whoever's closest to whiteness. Wow. <laughs> Watch out. Whoa. Oh, you know. Whoa. That's 
the assumption. And people won't name that. They won't even necessarily know they're doing that. But then when you ask them that question, so what does it look like? Well, it ends up looking awfully like a white evangelical Christian. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we land. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm so grateful for this work that we get to do because I feel like for so many people, they're struggling with this and they're struggling. And we, we talk about so many different things on a podcast that I think sometimes it's good to bring it back to our fundamentals and our foundation of this is why we choose to express the way that we express. This is why we choose to put our blackness front and center because we actually do not believe that God has redeemed us as random, you know, disembodied souls. Disembodied souls. But he's redeemed the totality of us. And we're not even talking about gender identity and all these other, you know, layers that could impact how we show up, but God has redeemed all of us. And I'm so grateful for that. Every because God is not, and I think somebody may need to hear this as well. That if you are navigating, am I too black or is my Christianity first? I just want to say like to you that God is not offended by you. And God is not offended by how he created you. And God is not offended by the blackness in which you show up in. That God actually seeks to um, just celebrate the unique way in which he created who you are. And I think sometimes, you know, there just has to come a place. There's this, uh, there's this film that I was watching. This documentary called Twenty Feet from Stardom," mm-hmm. and it's about the uh, unheralded position of the background vocalist. Yeah. And so it's people from Bruce Springsteen and Luther Vandross and Stevie Wonder and Sheryl Crow and all these people talking about how essential background vocalists are. And Bruce Springsteen says there's a there's a gap between the spotlight. And the back, the background, he says about 20 feet. It's a complicated gap. One lady, she was so frustrated by how the industry was doing her that she just decided, oh, I'm just going to go and clean houses. Like, that's all Mm -hmm. I'm going to do. I'm just going to go and clean houses. I'm done with it. And while she was cleaning someone's house, one day on the radio, her song comes on, a song that she's singing on comes on. And she comes to this realization of, listen, I know what God has placed inside me. And she says, I can't be anybody else. I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. And because she embraced her uniqueness, her herness in only the way that she could, she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, all this stuff. As a background vocalist, just because she just embraces who she is. Absolutely. And I think for so many Black Christians, we feel like people are trying to make us clones of of white evangelicals or clones of white theologians in the past. And there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with with how we express, like how we express, how we share, how we shout, how we sing, how we dance. And I'll add another layer is there's no one way to be black and Christian. See, this is really good. Cause I wrestled with this for a long time of, this whole thing of not being black enough, right? Because I'm in white evangelical spaces. I'm still black, but am I black, black, right? Like, am I black enough to go into 
a black Pentecostal church or a Kojic church or AME church or some of these traditions that I'm not familiar with, right? And there's no one way to be black right. and Christian. Exactly. Every way that we're black and Christian, it's how you be black and Christian. And so to the folks who feel pressure to express themselves in what they understand to be a sort of historically or traditionally black Christian way, if that's not how you express yourself, that doesn't make you less black or more Christian or anything like that. It's just, it's part of what we all always talk about, the expansive black Christian tradition. It's literally expansive. It can encompass you and how you express your faith and devotion to Jesus. And one of the things that we really, one of the reasons why we're talking about this is because this is the heart and the essence of Pastor Mike. This is why we do what we do. We do what we do because we truly believe that black Christians need to have conversations that only we can have. We need to talk about things that from our perspective that we can only share in our way and we need to wrestle with it together and we need to go on this journey together. So I hope that black Christians feel freed by this and feel encouraged, especially young black Christians, because if you're first coming into the faith, there's a level of all the books, a lot, well, I won't say all, a lot of the books that you may read, the resources that you may have, the sermons that you may get sent may be all from one cultural persuasion that's mm-hmm. outside of you, may be all white pastors and maybe all white theologians. And I'm here to tell you that there's just a diversity of yes. resources yes. and there's a diversity of scholars and there's a diversity of perspectives. And so Pastor Mike has always tried to be that encouragement to people that there's more and you can be you, you can serve Jesus as you. And that's why a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm going to go and do something else. I'm going to go and you know, express myself in a different faith or because they feel like there's no space mm-hmm. following Jesus, that there's no space in following Jesus that looks like their space. And I'm here to tell you, like, we just try to craft and carve out this space on the shoulders of the giants and in the footsteps of the people who have gone before that says, no, we read the Bible this way. We express this way. And we express many different ways within that way as well. And all of it's legitimate, both black and Christian together. It's legitimate. We can pass the mic to all of us. That's right. So (laughs) how do you feel about this? I hope this has encouraged you. Um, If you are watching, we want you to reach out to us. Please reach out to us. Leave comments. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe. Hit the notification bell for all of the latest Pastor Mike episodes. We're also on all of your podcast platforms as well. Search Pastor Mike. And if you're there, leave us a five-star review and some kind words. We love y'all. We'll see you soon on the next Pastor Mike. Mike.